This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Psalm 16, if, if you're here and you don't have a copy of the scriptures, if you'll, if you'll raise your hand, uh, the ushers will bring you a Bible so that you can turn to Psalm 16 and follow along as we look at this Easter psalm this morning, Psalm 16. I'm Bill, and I'm senior pastor here at Cornerstone, and I regularly say we're not in heaven yet, but boy, when Jeff Hodgson is baptizing on Easter Sunday, we just might be in heaven. Thanks, Jeff, for encouraging our love for the resurrection bringing us a lot of joy. Psalm 16, a miktam of David is the title. Verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let Your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is God's word. An Easter psalm. We saw in our study of Acts both Peter and Paul tell us verse 10 For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption is a prophecy. David, the author of this psalm, is prophesying hundreds of years before the event about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are celebrating this morning. In fact, all of Psalm 16 
can be applied to him. Psalms are, are poems. That's what psalm means. They're meant to be read or sung as poetry or songs. They're, they're intended to stir up our affections. They're meant to instruct us, but they aren't just about instruction. They're not just about thinking. They're also meant to shape our emotions, how we feel. They're music. We understand this. We, we express truth in music, in poetry, so that we're instructed, but our emotions are awakened. Emotions that fit the instructions. If we read Psalm 16, the way it's intended to be read and sung, our emotions and our mind. will be shaped by its words. Vincent, a song by Don McLean, is about the artist Vincent Van Gogh. You may remember the song as Starry, Starry Night. That's the first words of the song. It's a reference to one of Vincent Van Gogh's most famous paintings, Starry Night. Vincent lived in the last part of the 19th century during his lifetime. He was never successful as an artist. He lived in poverty. He was considered a madman and a failure. He battled depression and alcoholism. He was in an asylum when he painted Starry Night. He killed himself when he was 37 years old. After his suicide, he became one of the most famous and influential artists in history. The way he painted literally changed the art world. Today, you can find prints of his paintings most anywhere. You can find coffee cups with his paintings on them. Originals by Van Gogh are worth millions. One sold last year for $117 million. He, he's considered to be a great artist who suffered for his art. Don McLean's song paints this endearing picture of Van Gogh. Starry, starry night. Maybe I should sing it. No. Okay. Paint your palette blue and gray. Look out on a summer's day with eyes that know the darkness in my soul. Shadows on the hills, sketch the trees and the daffodils, catch the breeze and the winter chills in colors on the snowy linen land. Starry, starry night, flaming flowers that brightly blaze, swirling clouds in violet haze reflect in Vincent's eyes of china blue. Now I understand what you tried to say to me, how you suffered for your sanity, how you tried to set them free. They wouldn't listen. They didn't know how. Perhaps they'll listen now. For they could not love you. But still, your love was true. And when no hope was left inside on that starry, starry night, I need a Kleenex here, you took your life as lovers often do. But I could have told you, Vincent, 
this world, it does kind of get you. <laughs> this world was never meant for one as beautiful as you. That's what those lyrics are supposed to do. They, they instruct us. Now, I don't, I don't think all the lyrics are true in the song. But they instruct us. And they're meant to be true. And, and the song makes us feel something for Van Gogh. We express truth in music and poetry to teach us and instruct us, but also to stir our emotions. That's what psalms are about. They're not just about thinking. They are about thinking. They do t teach truth. And this word is always true. But they're about feeling. God wants us to feel something today. Psalm 16 is given to teach us truth and guide and shape our emotions. So on this Easter Sunday through Psalm 16, I believe God wants us to know truth about Him, theology, truth about God, and experience His goodness. Maybe He'll awaken affections for Him through this psalm this morning. I hope so. So let's meditate on it. It's a miktam of David. If you look over in Psalm 15 at the title, it says, Psalm 15 is a psalm of David. Psalm 16 is a miktam of David. It's a, it's a term that means something related to music, liturgy maybe. It's about a secret, a mystery that's important. It's this psalm, this miktam is, is often called the golden psalm, David's jewel. It's, it's notable among all the many psalms that David wrote. It's precious. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century Baptist minister in London, calls it the psalm of the precious secret. It's instructive. This is God's word. Jesus would quote the Psalms. He, he talked about David writing a psalm. And he says that he was guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus believed that this psalm contains God's word. We're, we're meant to learn things about God. We're being taught by God. Blessed is the man or woman that meditates on Psalm 16. The psalm will shape our affections for God as we learn this about him. Number one, he is a refuge. Number one, he is a refuge. Verse one, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. David begins with a prayer. He, he's asking God, preserve me. Save me, guard me, oh God. It's a, it's a title for God. It refers to his powerful. He's omnipotent, all powerful. He can preserve, save, and guard. David was a shepherd, a faithful shepherd. He guarded his father's sheep. You may remember when a lion or bear came 
took a lamb from the flock, David went after them. He struck the lion. He struck the bear. He took the lamb out of their mouth. And if the lion or the bear attacked him while he was rescuing the lamb, he caught the lion, he caught the bear by the beard, he said, and killed it. And he did it without bear spray or a gun. His prayer is that God would protect him like a faithful shepherd. He knows God is a faithful shepherd. And he will protect him. And he trusts that God can and will do just that. So he prays in you. I, I take refuge. I put my trust in you. Verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. Verse 6. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance. I pray you hold my lot. Verse 8. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. Verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. God wants us to feel his security this morning. Our, our, our leaders of our state put the burden on us to make the decision about whether to put in God I trust on our license plate or not. I know, I know some people who trust God did not want that on their license plate because it seemed divisive, political. I'm not judging anyone. When I went to get my plate, I had no idea I had to make this decision. I had exactly five seconds to decide. And my impulse was, well, I'm sure not going to say I don't trust God. Yeah, put it on there. I, I want you to know when you see that, that was just the fear of the Lord. That's all I was about. I didn't know all the other stuff, but I just wanted to say, Lord, I trust you. Put it on there. It isn't important what's on your license plate. You have the liberty this morning to choose what you want. What is important is whether you trust God or not. Is he your refuge? Do you throw in your lot with God for security and welfare? Do you trust him? Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. That's what this psalm is about. The promise is that for all your cares, the Lord is a refuge. You are safe when you trust in him. You will not be shaken. You're supposed to feel that. Psalm 16 is teaching us theology, truth about God, so that we will feel God's security. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. David had that confidence. To set the Lord before me 
is to focus your heart in him so you don't seek your safety in anything or anyone else. Trusting God means looking at him with the eyes of our heart above all that's in the world, all the trouble, all the problems, with the eyes of our heart setting him before me. He's above all the world. He's transcendent. He is all-powerful. He can hear your prayer for refuge and answer it. Do we try to escape our, our troubles in ways that are ineffective, even harmful? When trouble comes, where do you go for refuge? Verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out and take their names on my lips. Not David. He's going nowhere else. His refuge is the Lord. There are, there are many ways to escape in our culture. John Calvin, the 16th century reformer, said they may intoxicate and glut themselves with pleasures to the greatest excess, but instead of being satisfied, they rather become wearied of them. And besides, the pleasures of this world vanish away like dreams. Sound wisdom. People often want to escape. They have troubles in this life and they sometimes seek to go somewhere to get away from their troubles besides the Lord. Remember the Southwest Airlines commercials? Want to get away? People wanting to skip town. They had some awkward moment. I like the one where the lady's staying with her friend at her house and she's in her bathroom. She's going through her medicine cabinet looking, you know, curious, snooping, and knocks the whole medicine cabinet down with a giant crash that her friend hears, want to get away. <laughs> there, there are times we do want to get away from, when life is difficult. And people try to escape through purchases, buying stuff. There's, there's so many options, vacations, Comfort food, alcohol, drugs, gambling, entertainment, relationships, so many options. But our, our safety in life and in death, according to this psalm, depends entirely on our being under the protection of Almighty God. And God's promise today to us is that He will help us. When we rely on Him, He loves to be trusted. He will answer our prayers. He'll make a difference. We can go to Him for refuge. We can escape this world by going to Him. You hold my lot. David rested in God. Number two, this psalm will shape our affections for God as we learn this about him. God gives true and lasting joy. Verse five, he's my chosen portion. He's my chosen portion. And my cup. 
He, he's so fully satisfied with God alone. He doesn't want anything else. He's my portion. The promises of the idols are not able to get David. Because he's happy. He's content. I have, verse 8, set the Lord always before me. He constantly set him always before him. With the eyes of his heart, he looked to him for, his, for assistance. All that threatened David, and David, David was constantly under threat, like we can't even imagine. But he never allowed any fear to turn his attention to idols, somewhere else to go for refuge. He was happy. He was content. He trusted the Lord. We, we've got to continually set the Lord before us. We have to fight for joy. We have to fight for faith. We must be fully persuaded. And what the Lord wants to do is shape our emotions so we feel it this morning. This, this world will never be able to deceive us and will finish well when we set the Lord always before us and enjoy his presence. Went to see the Jesus Revolution movie this week. You may have heard about it. It's a story of a revival in the 60s in California among unlikely people, hippies. Zach and Sarah, younger pastor here with us, invited Sherry and I to go see it with them. I think they, they didn't want people to know they really wanted to go see it, so they thought they'd take their grandparents and then people would think that was cool. They knew the, the Jesus revolution had eventually reached West Virginia where Sherry and I lived, so they were curious to see what we remembered. And there were a few things. I enjoyed the movie much more than I thought I would. I haven't cried that much in a movie since they shot Old Yeller. <laughs> much of the movie was about dramatic conversions, youthful joy, and zeal to share the gospel. Trade faith as real and life-changing. And that was our experience, Sherry and I, 45 years ago this year. So we, we want to testify to you today. We have no good apart from the Lord. The lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. Our hearts are glad. Our whole being rejoices. In his presence, there is fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore, 45 years we say it's true. We got home from the movie. We both began to do our research. And it was sad. We were saddened. When we read about what had happened as life in this fallen world took its toll on the people in the movie. People who were Christians. We, we truly aren't in heaven yet. And there's always going to be sin and breakdown in the lives of people, even in the church. So it was good in the movie they showed a little bit of this. Life is not perfect. You've got to fight for faith. 
Jeremiah 2 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. And hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns. that can hold no water. We, we have to be like David. We have to set God always before us. There's no room for error. You have to fight for joy. You have to do it daily. You have to keep away from idols. That's in the New Testament, 1 John 5. Last verse in 1 John. Keep away from idols. David says, verse 8, because he is at my right hand. David set the Lord before him for the The purpose of constantly going to him. He is at my right hand. He promises to be with us always. Christ risen from the dead. I am with you always. He is at your right hand. Set him before you by faith. Trust in him always. Therefore, verse 9, my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh dwells secure. This peace that comes with the security of trusting God leads to joy. My heart is glad, my whole being rejoices. If we try to escape to other sources, we're just going to be disappointed. There's not going to be a true peace. There's not going to be a lasting joy. To calmly, steadfastly rejoice is the lot of no one except the person who has learned to trust in God, to put his confidence in in him. This psalm will shape our affections for God as we learn this about him. God makes known the path of the right path. God makes known the right path. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. To to be united to Christ by faith is the way of life. It means the great treasure of the kingdom is fellowship with God in Christ. It's a relationship with God. You make known to me the path of life. Verse 7, I bless the Lord. I praise the Lord with a loud voice who gives me counsel. He guides me. In the night also, my heart instructs me. The Lord, through his word, instructing me. He makes known to me the path. He shows me. Psalm 16 is a celebration of the benefits of the life lived under the rule of God. David even had hope because he saw the resurrection of Christ. He even had hope of life everlasting. Christ would be raised from the dead. He prophesied that in verse 10. But it wouldn't just be him that would be raised from the dead. It would be all those united to him by faith. He is our inheritance. 
God offers himself to us by free grace and we receive it by faith. We take possession of the, the offer by faith. David describes it all to God. You make known to me the path. We all, most of us today are totally dependent on our phones, on GPS to find our way around, even, even in the city we live in. I mean, how many times do you find yourself looking at your phone for the next turn and you're in your neighborhood <laughs> and you're right by your driveway. It's right there. But we're so dependent on the Lord to re remain on the right path like that. I mean, we would never choose the right path. We would just miss it. We would be fools. But he becomes to us wisdom. And he instructs us in the night. He makes known the right path that leads to all these blessings. Verse 6, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. 45 years, and I would say, and Sherry would say, it's true. It's beautiful. And the, the psalm is trying to shape our emotions so we desire that. We proclaim this morning that Christ was raised from the dead. We Christians, we, we claim that God is and people can know him. That's what I'm doing this morning on behalf of this congregation. That's what I'm proclaiming. That's what Christians do. We live to know God. And, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the means by which we come to know him. The, the apostles we've been studying in the book of Acts, they followed the lead of Christ and they centered their message on what they called the gospel of Jesus Christ. One, what it, what's the meaning of, of the word gospel? An old English Puritan that you would say, you would think of as stuffy, a Puritan, English. Just kidding my English friends here this morning. William Tyndale. Bible translator, burnt at the stake in the 16th century. Most of the words in the King James Bible came from this man's translation. Old English Puritan. What's the meaning of the word gospel? Here's what he says. Good, merry, glad, and joyful tiding that maketh a man's heart glad and maketh him sing, dance, and leap for joy. Good, merry, and joyful tidings. That's what we are selling this morning. At, at, in our current time period, in our culture, at the present time, skepticism is the mood. Atheism is, is popular. People are on a crusade for atheism. Agnosticism. It's very popular. Our claim, the Christian's claim in this world, is a bold 
claim that we are making to you this morning. God is and you can know him. The Bible teaches our fundamental problem is not ignorance. It's not ignorance that is there a God, is there not a God. The problem is we're alienated from God. It's a relational problem. We're left in the darkness. It's not intellectual. It's, it's spiritual. It's relational. And the gospel, the biblical message that we're proclaiming to you today, it's this disclosure of one person, the living God, to another. It's, it's a message from him to us. And this This message is the only way to be reconciled to God. The gospel, the good news about Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. It introduces people to the only place you'll ever find joy, true happiness, the knowledge of God. And it shows how you can be reconciled to God in Christ God discloses himself to us. He invites us into a relationship with him. It brings the blessing of forgiveness of sin. Christ lived a perfect life, gave his life, died on the cross for the sins of others. His, my sins are counted as his. His righteousness is counted as mine. I'm forgiven of my sins and I can be reconciled to God. By faith, repenting of my sin, so that you can be merry and glad and sing and dance and leap for joy. And that's my prayer this morning. Father, I pray for everyone in here, Lord. May you reveal yourself to them. May the eyes of their heart be enlightened. May you give them the gift of faith. And may they believe. We live in a troubled world. This morning, through this psalm, Lord, you're revealing you are the one and only and the true refuge. You are inviting everyone in this auditorium to come and seek security with the great shepherd. You're inviting them to come through Christ by faith and his finished work on the cross. You have raised him from the dead. It vindicated him. He was no sinner. He died on behalf of others. Now I know you're present this morning, Lord, and I pray for everyone in this auditorium, first and foremost, for those who don't know you, to come to you that you would give them the gift of faith. But I pray for every believer in here today. They'd be filled with joy as we return to singing for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865 694 4356. 
We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.